Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians was a, a group who was trying to search for what is the meaning of music? What is music all about anyway? Is it just about writing a song and making $800 billion? Is it about being popular? Why do we love music so much? And how did the ancients look at the discipline of music? That's 2014 NEA Jazzmaster and member of the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, Anthony Braxton. Welcome to Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed, who's lost her voice and cannot seem to find it. As many of you know, the National Endowment for the Arts is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And we're not alone. Also celebrating a half century of musical innovation, creativity, and self-determination is the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, or the AACM. The AACM is a collective of musicians that emphasizes individualism. Typically a bit tricky to pull off, but somehow it's worked for half a century. The AACM is still a vibrant force in music today, with two chapters, one in New York and one in Chicago. The AACM first came together in Chicago in 1965 when a group of musicians were determined to play their own compositions, a freestyle form of music that was uncompromising and defied category. On top of that, they determined that it be taken seriously, which meant moving the music out of bars and clubs and into the concert hall. Saxophonist, composer, and chair of the Chicago chapter of the AACM, Ernest Dawkins. Muhar Richard Abrams, Jody Christian, Steve McCall, and uh, Phil Coran came together to start this organization. The organization was to produce new works in new venues, not the old standard in the bar kind of venue, libraries, concert halls, take it to the concert stage, etc., cetera, etc., cetera and it was also to establish a free school of music in Chicago to train youth. Anthony Braxton. Among the primary axioms was to do your own music. You have to compose, you have to write, you can't just play the American song form tradition. You have to be a scholar of the music and you have to be a scholar of your own music. Co-founder of the AACM, head of its New York City chapter, and 2010 NEA Jazzmaster, Muhal Richard Abrams. We were in the 60s. There was quite a bit of music going on, of course, and uh, we were about music. Politically, there was many things going on politically, you know, and whole groups of people becoming self-sufficient and whatnot in their uh, endeavors and their ideals and their rights. And the uh, city was quite active Politically and culturally, in terms of music and, and, and the other arts. We had were associated as uh, Chicago local musicians for many years prior to that. I uh, formed what I called the experimental band, Muhal Richard Abrams Experimental Band.
it served as a forerunner to the AACM. So the other musicians, the other founders, suggested that we have a meeting to discuss forming a larger group of musicians based on the uh, ideals that structured the experimental band. Those ideas were to develop a workshop and a forum whereby uh, musicians could develop their individual perspectives on improvising and composing music. And so that was the basic premise that went into the initial structure of the AECM. We uh, had a meeting with, we invited uh, Chicago musicians, period. They were Southside musicians, of course. That's where we were. And uh, we invited them to discuss whether they would be interested in uh, composing and performing original music. And original music meaning music composed and performed by the members of the group, not the uh, mainstream standard type music. Outside of the ASM, people were free to continue performing and uh, composing uh, mainstream music. But within the ASM, we wanted to explore original music. We weren't against anything. We just felt that uh, the music that we were creating belonged in concert halls. We weren't against any clubs. A lot of us still played in clubs and things like that outside of the ACM. I've played in a lot of clubs personally <laughs> and played with a lot of great people in clubs. But no, uh, for this process, the ACM process, we felt that the um, music deserved a concert forum. The AACM took the bull by the horns, taking on the duty of an artist and a producer, composing, publishing, and performing, renting the concert halls, advertising the concerts, and selling the tickets. And if there was money left over, paying the musicians. But the music and creative rigor was intoxicating. Anthony Braxton. I was in the Army for three years. And after coming home from South Korea, in the first week I went to a concert of the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, the AACM, and suddenly I met men and women who were interested in the same kind of things I was interested in. Up until 1966, I had always found myself the odd guy out because many of the things I was interested in were not universally shared. It was only when I came into the AACM and met uh, musicians like uh, Henry Threadgill, Roscoe Mitchell, Califarusha Difter, musician composers who had formed the AACM. And so when I came back for a period of three years, I must say uh, the experiences in the AACM would really define the route of my life in terms of what my interest would be. And, and how I would look at my work and seek to evolve it. 
and I was able and I was fortunate enough to be accepted by this group. And so for the next three years, uh, lots of concerts, experimentation. Everyone was very excited about music. It was an incredible community of dedicated men and women. The musicians also found support for their music in their hometown. Muhal Richard Abrams. The audience was there all the time from the beginning. The people on the south side of Chicago were with us. So once we started up, they became our patrons. The people in Chicago on the north and south side included black and white people. Chicago became our audience, the, the, the population of Chicago, music lovers. They became our students. One of our purposes was to um, teach young aspirant musicians. And for that purpose, we started our school in order to teach young people music and assist them in seeing uh, their individualism and the uh, outside world as well. It wasn't restricted in this teaching just to what the AACM was saying. We uh, uh, insisted that they respect everything, mainstream, just original, individual type things, all of it together. Ernest Dawkins was an early student at the school. I went to the school of music. It was in the community. By the time I started playing, I had played uh, bass, guitar. When I was 12, I played percussion as a teenager, so I just graduated from school. And my father, he used to have this record collection, and as a kid, I would listen to all these records. So I knew Billie Holiday, Lester Young. But anyway, I heard this guy playing uh, like Charlie Parker. I had just graduated. I had an epiphany. I said, that's me. So the next day, I went and bought a saxophone. And within a week, I had the horn, and my people said, well, you can't practice in the house. You know, you, we're not going to support your whims. If you're serious, you'll find a way how to do it. And so I went to the park. So I would go to the park every day, and I would be practicing. This guy came up. He said, man, you're here every day. I said, yeah, I want to try to learn how to play. He said, well, my name is James Johnson. He was a bassoonist and a saxophonist. He said, you need to go to the ACM School of Music without even knowing. I guess it was in my DNA or something. I said, okay, where is it? <laughs> and then my first lesson, I think I had, who was, I forgot exactly who was in my lesson, but I think it was somebody like uh, Chico Freeman, Henry Threadgill, <laughs> and then this Jarman Roscoe, first lesson. And I'm like, uh, okay. And they had me trying to play Hot House. I'll never forget that. And I was butchering that song bad, boy. But I was like, I'm determined to get this song. And after that lesson, I said, I'll be back. But it wasn't just about the music. Anthony Braxton. Uh, Muhal Richard Abrams has played a very important role in my life. In many ways, uh, he's been a father figure. He's been a teacher. And uh, we look to him for many things, not just music, how to live, really. Muhal, he was an incredible influence to all of us. And he helped us to stay straight and to value being positive and don't be messing around and be serious about your work. Learn how to respect people and do your best. Ernest Dawkins. You're supposed to come into the school and you're supposed to learn the ABCs of music course, Steering Harmony. Take an instrument, we, we encourage percussion too, or piano, 
And then uh, you're supposed to write your own piece and you're supposed to perform just like an ACM member. <laughs> Muhal Richard Abrams remembers getting the school off the ground. The first students, our very first students, their parents bought them instruments. Once they found out who we were and what we, what we were doing, they began to appreciate it because their kids were occupied with something constructive at a very early age. You know, we'd see them practically every day, you know what I mean, because we were together every day composing and performing music. For Anthony Braxton, teaching contained life-changing moments. We used to go to the parents' homes and pick up the child and drive the child to Lincoln Center in Chicago and give a nice hot lunch and then music instructions. I think one of the things I'll never forget the most about uh, that period was a concert that Lester Bowie did with uh, something like seven young guys and girls that played Hello, Dolly. Played Hello, Dolly with Lester Boy. It was such a beautiful concert. It was like, you know, that's what our responsibility is. We have to, we have to do this. If we don't do it, who's going to do it? Although there was emphasis on individualism, there was expectations for AACM members. Ernest Dawkins. Once you become a member of the AACM, within a year, you're supposed to produce your concert. So I produced my concert. We were always encouraged to go hear the AACM members perform. University of Chicago, we had a lot of concerts there. I remember seeing a lot of concerts over in that area. And then when you became a member, you have to pass out flyers. I remember flyer duty. We would have to take flyers out everywhere and, and scour the south side and north side with these flyers and uh, go to the concerts. So I saw a lot of interesting things in my early years. I saw a fantastic solo concert by Lester Bowie at University of Chicago. It was uh, one of the more interesting concerts that I saw. Of course, I saw the art ensemble over there at Mandel Hall. And we had um, Fred Anderson would have a jam session. He would be all the way up north. And we would catch the train. His jam session didn't start to 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> be up there from like 12 to maybe 5 or 6 in the morning. And then we would <laughs> come back home. So it was all kind of those kind of things happening. And we would go jam in these lofts that was uh, adjacent to the Chicago River back in those days. And things that we would do. It's like, And the guys, when I started playing, they some guys moved on my block. And they would play all night. They Joe Henderson would come up there after he played the Jazz Showcase, Freddie Hubbard, Woody Shaw, you know. So these was like in the community and nobody would bother them. They were, they were playing all night and people wouldn't complain. they say, yeah, man, y'all really sound good. <laughs> you know, they were telling them they sound good because the community was open to 
those kind of situations back then. Everything ha- didn't have to be so formalized. AACM members came together to form different musical groups and ensembles, all playing original music, all stressing the individuality of their players. But one group stood out, Mulhall Richard Abrams. There were many groups in the AACM. Our ensembles were one of our premier groups that distinguished themselves very well, and uh, they were quite successful. There were, there were other groups. There was a trio with uh, Anthony Braxton, Leroy Jenkins, and Wadada Leo Smith. And, of course, my experimental band. And there were other, other groups, you know. We, we had many, many groups. And we're proud of all our groups. But, of course, the art ensemble distinguished themselves in, in a grand manner. They really did. Ernest Dawkins. They seen principles and uh, attitudes and facilities and, uh, and interpretation and uh, concepts. With this music, you have to develop your own voice, for better or for worse, and, and ride it out. And that's the key. And that's what I liked about the eclectic kind of situations in relationship to the ACM, because I could go here at the Red Gill, then I could go here uh Califarusha, and I'm just talking saxophone players. I can go here Roscoe, I could go here Braxton, I could go here Fred Anderson, and everybody played different. No one had the same sound. No one had the same approach. No one. But if originality was stressed, so was respect for other traditions. Mulhall Richard Abrams. There are many countries, people in different countries that speak different language, and they have many different approaches. Everybody's music has to be respected. And so we start with our own process, and from there it expanded out into the world in respecting the world music. I think we realize there's information everywhere about music and about life, about all sorts of things. Well, I, for one, I certainly don't want to be left out of that process with all that information available. Ernest Dawkins. When Muhal and them would come around and give us workshops, he said, man, look, play everything. Don't just be limited to one thing. Because he knew that you have to work in different areas in this music. You know, when Threadgill used to work shows, I've seen him work shows. I mean, guys guys did all, all kind of other kind of gigs. They played in churches, you know. Threadgill played in church. That's what That was his thing, you know. So so that broadened my perspective because I, I like to play tunes. I like to play what we call free music. I like to play all aspects of what we call this American music. Thank you. 
As wonderful as Chicago was as a crucible for AACM, a good portion of its members began to move east, and some moved across the ocean. Anthony Braxton. I had discovered what my music could be if I worked hard, but it became clear to many of us in the AACM that it would not be possible to, to continue our work in Chicago because one, there was very little work. And at that point, I would go to live in Paris. Suddenly the European experience would start. Mulhall Richard Abrams. I started coming to New York City around 1973. I didn't move here until 1977 with my family, I mean. By that time, the first wave of AACM musicians anyway, we had um, became quite uh, famous around the world because of the Delmark records. And so I found it necessary to uh, move to New York to um, function in a uh, more expanded business atmosphere as well as a musical atmosphere. It was wall-to-wall music. <laughs> wall-to-wall music, just, just great music. You know, there were people here from, as today, there were people here from all over the world, you know what I mean? People from all over the states. But the uh, people from all over the states were really perpetuating and moving what some call the tradition forward, which was great because the opportunity to learn from each other was just uh, very great. But Abrams makes clear when he came to New York City, he was not leaving the AACM behind. He brought its philosophy to New York City and eventually started the New York chapter. We didn't come to New York to join other people's bands, so we came here and we created our own forums for performing our music, just as we did in Chicago. The uh, AACM in Chicago kept going with what they were doing for that particular locale. So we're chartered in New York, and so there's two different chapters. The Chicago chapter was separate from the New York chapter. Meanwhile, the AACM continued to do its work in Chicago, Ernest Dawkins. By that time, most of the guys were moving or gone, you know, to New York. And uh, I realized if, if, some, if anything's going to happen, I'm going to have to make it happen myself. And that was still part of the essence of the organization because I, I think I got in around the 10th, 11th anniversary of the ACM, somewhere around there. I mean, I was a student. And eventually, I became a member. I became a teacher, an officer, and the rest is kind of like history. Here I am today. <laughs> Not to blow our own horn, but throughout the years, both the Chicago and New York City chapters of the AACM found vital support from the National Endowment for the Arts. Mulhall Richard Abrams. Oh, it helped us a lot. It helped us a lot to uh, keep our programs going on, our yearly contact programs going on. There's it's always been that uh, uh, great help from the Arts Endowment. Well, it's a great relationship, actually. It's a great relationship, and uh, it's in the records. <laughs> Wadada Leo Smith, Henry Thread Gill, Roscoe Mitchell, Douglas Hewitt, George Lewis, Wallace McMillan. A list of AACM members reads like a who's who of creative musicians. Thurman Barker, 
Amina Claudine Myers, Lester Bowie, Malachi Favors, Joseph Jarman, Don Moyer, many. And the thing is, I, I want to quit calling names because I, I'm being unfair because I, if I have to call names, I would have to call all of them. They are all great, and we just mentioned a few, but there were, there were many just as great, and we viewed each other as uh, equally as uh, great. You know, we viewed each other in that manner, and we still do, so we still do. AACM's broader influence on both mainstream jazz and avant-garde music cannot be denied. Anthony Braxton. I feel that um, coming from the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, that among the things uh, we learned about was the real tradition is creativity, doing your best, and uh, trying to meet the challenges of your time period. Uh, and you need to learn the fundamentals and respect the last uh, 2,000, 3,000 years of documented music. But don't let that be an excuse to not find your own work. Ernest Dawkins. Well, now I hear more guys playing free. Then They're not playing change. I'm like, these cats are not playing the changes. They're playing free. <laughs> it's like the tides have turned. <laughs> We have fresh possibilities because fresh possibilities came out of the experimentation and exploration of fresh ideas about music, fresh ideas about harmony, fresh ideas about rhythm. And so the, the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians was one of the best things that had ever happened to me uh, to discover this group of incredible musicians, very little work, nobody had any money, we all come from poverty, and no one would give an inch with respect to their aesthetics and their music. But we helped each other to stay strong, and everyone tried to do the best work that they could do. I think it's a cultural important half century that the organization has even survived, you know, half a century, it's just amazing. I think it's been a perfect example of an experiment in democracy. <laughs> Mulhall Richard Abrams. I think we will be remembered as being an example of what people can do as individuals when they come together to agree and sometimes not to agree, but yet maintain the central uh, idea of moving forward. The main thing we had in common is respect for each other's individualism. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit right there. You know, because it, it uh, was one of the things that encouraged all of us to pursue our particular perspectives because we were among people who respected us. We respected each other. I think that's what, what uh, got us here 50 years later. I, I really believe that. The Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians has celebrated its 50th anniversary in 2015. My thanks to Mulhall Richard Abrams, Ernest Dawkins, and Anthony Braxton. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog, or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening, and thanks for putting up with my voice.